This is a brand new Sunday for me. I'm going to do something today I've never done before. So you're getting nervous, right? You're no more nervous than I am, I promise you that. Actually, I'm at complete peace, probably more so than usual. But today I'm going to share a little bit just of our experiences from this past week. So I traveled with a group of people to Haiti to minister to some pastors and leaders and to a community there. And rather than trying to script out some notes and make sure I highlight this and this and this, I've just asked God to bring to memory uh, and some things through photos here just to share what needs to be shared today. Okay? Um, I've got a lot of notes in my journal. So anybody have lunch plans? <laughs> I see some of you do. All right? So we will, we will be mindful of that. And by the way, all, all through this process somewhere, this will be different. Like, uh, if you want to ask a question, I'm entirely no expert. All right? I've only been there a few days, met a few people. But I know a lot more than I did the last time I spoke with you. Uh, so if I could help in any way, if I skip over something or you've got a serious question or a funny question, don't hesitate to ask that. Okay? And then we'll try to tie this all together. Uh, but last Saturday, so just a week ago, uh, there was a team of myself and four others, and we boarded a plane here in St. Louis and took off towards Miami. We were supposed to land in Cap Haitian, Haiti later that night, and at the last minute our flight got changed, and we end up in Santiago, Dominican Republic. Okay? Which you might as well land me anywhere. If, I, if you don't speak English, it doesn't matter. Right? I'm just as lost in the DR as I am in Haiti. And so we flew into the DR and we got there and went through customs and everything, no issues for most people uh, except for me. And so they wanted to search my bag and they did. And they pulled everything out and we had a supply bag that we were bringing and it had like those drawstring bags, you know what I'm talking about? Kids wear them on their backpacks some, or on their backs. And we had some supplies for these pastors in that suitcase. And they went through that thing like it was carrying... You know, ammunition or drugs or something. They had everything out. They pulled security over and, eh, 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 and they're pointing at me. And I'm like, and my team's gone. So I don't speak any language that's helpful here other than prayer. So I start praying, God help me here because I don't know what to do. Like if they don't let me get past this point, then I'm stuck here. And so this woman comes over and she's like, ah, it's whatever she's saying. I took it like, go ahead, let him go. So they packed my bag back for me, and I went back out. And uh, I felt like that was a big answer to prayer for me right there, right? Because I didn't want to spend the night by myself in the jail or whatever they do to you there. So anyway, we make our way, stay in a hotel. The next morning, we had to change our plans. We were supposed to be speaking at the pastor's church in Pinon, Haiti, and we ended up speaking at a church in uh, Santiago, Dominican Republic. Okay, so these were, this was a Haitian group of people who have migrated across the border looking for a better life. And they live in little communities, and they were um, gathering for church. So when we pulled up to this church in this uh, heavily tinted windowed vehicle, I mean, like you could hardly see out of it. The windows were so dark. You could already hear the music, and you could hear the people singing. And uh, so I want to show you a, just a video of that and see if we can connect with that here in just a minute. But just to picture it, it's, it's a concrete building with a concrete floor and a tin roof. Okay, no doors, and there's windows cut out, but there's no windows. And a couple of the windows have these like vertical bars on them. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of tucked back in this neighborhood where you've got a really nice house beside a shack. And no grass, and lots of concrete, some trees. Like if you had a landscaping business there, you would starve because there's just not a whole lot to be done. So... <clears throat> Billy, can you hit those two light switches there? I'm going to put you guys in the dark here a little bit. Some of these pictures I took are, are a little bit dark, but let's see if this will play. See if you recognize the song here. Lo, you might have to adjust the, the computer volume, okay? Maybe. Can you play it? It'll clear up in a minute.
All right, anybody know the song? At Calvary, right? So we sang it this morning. So that is the, that's the same song there. So they had been singing. So we got there about maybe uh, 9.30. They had already been singing for an hour, hour and a half. Hot building. So these men, one thing I've learned if we ever travel that way again is to carry a handkerchief or like a bandana because these guys are all wiping their bald heads and this bald-headed man needed that too. I was, my feet were squishy in my shoes and it was that hot in there. Um, but that was the last song they sang before we had the opportunity to speak. And about halfway through, I look at the guy beside me, Tim, and similar upbringing, and he was like trying to figure out the words. And so we're both like, I know the song, I know the song. We got to the chorus, it's like, at Calvary. So we start singing this song. Uh, it was pretty cool, all right, just to see people in a different language uh, singing a little differently. So next Sunday, this is how we're going to try it, all right? Same kind of rhythm and all that stuff, but... Beautiful people. Uh, you know, I shared with them, we, we don't share the same language, but we share the same Father. And you could just feel like a, uh, there was just a kindred spirit. And I, I don't know how to explain that. You've probably experienced something like that before, but I didn't know how they were saying what they were saying, but I knew who they were talking to, and it just felt very a part of it. Like it was just a powerful moment in my life. Uh, so as I go through this today too, if you would just pray for me, it's kind of like God's just bringing some things. This just I'm, I'm being changed and I can't put my finger on it. And I feel different and I can't put my finger on that yet. And it's not jet lag. Um, I don't know. It's just it's different. So we'll let God work that uh, however He's planned. But some good things I would like to share. So that was that service, and we moved from there. So uh, I got to speak there, and that was awesome. So for about the first 30 seconds, Pastor Jeff Day and I, uh, well, let me back up. So this music's going on. They just walk us in and just sit us down right up front. You know I mean? That was just kind of, oh, we don't want to disrupt your service, right? That's what we'd say. We'll just stay in the back, and when the heads are bowed, we'll kind of sneak up so nobody hears us. And he's bringing us through this pastor and he's drawing everybody's attention like, I don't know what he's saying. To me, it's like, they're here. Or like, the Americans are here or whatever. And so we're up on, on this stage and they're just smiling. And when it came time to introduce us, our leader introduced us one by one. They had a drummer. And when they introduced you, they would just bang the drum really hard and loud and everybody stood up and I said, you're going home with me, right? I want that introduction every Sunday. Here's Pastor Penn. Yeah! It was, it was great. Uh, just different ways of doing the same thing, you know. And people that don't have a whole lot, but uh, they have everything they need in Christ. And fully supplied, fully satisfied, energized. Uh, it was just awesome. Just, I wanted to go out and hug every one of those kids and just play with them. You see them, I got a few pictures there out the window. But they'd look at you and you'd wave at them, they'd just smile and they'd wave back. And they were singing the songs too. You know, what was interesting, I know it's a different place and time. Sorry if my mind's wandering here, but you know, no doors, no air conditioning. Uh, there weren't any lights. There was a little bit of electricity, I guess. Um, you know, no projectors, no computers. None of the stuff we would say we've got to have to be able to do church. And, and they're doing church. I mean, it was, and it was, that was refreshing for me. And sometimes we may feel like we've got to help God out with our technology, our supplies. But they didn't need any of that. And their worship was genuine and beautiful and real. And uh, it was just really, it was good for me. So I wanted to share that part with you. I was thinking of you when that song came on. I was like, my church family knows this song. Like, they're going to love this when we get back because they're singing stuff that we sing too. Uh, so, so that was good. So anyway, we moved from there, and this was out of the DR. So I, I'm a flatlander, spent most of my life in Illinois. And so to see mountains was a big deal for me. And I've seen them before, but just to, it was just amazing. I don't know. Just every step along the way, it just kind of took your breath. So at this point, we had stopped at a gas station because we thought the vehicle was breaking down. 
And his front end, like I was sitting in the middle seat in the back, and when you're going down the road, you see the hood doing like this. And he said, I don't know if that's a bearing or out of alignment. He said, I don't know. It wasn't that way when I got here. So we were trying to make our way to the border, and the border closes at 3 o'clock. And what we sensed from him is we need to get to the border. Not crossing is not an option. That will not be good for us. And so in Haiti, or in the DR, the Dominican, they hate Haitians as a general rule of thumb. So you think about some of what's going on over in St. Louis right now. People butting heads, hating one another. Uh, I mean, it happens in our backyard here as well. That's, that's real life all around the world, right? It doesn't matter what color you are. And, and so we felt pressured to get to that border. Three o'clock, it closes. We got there at 2.45. And, and that's a little bit intense. So, and I won't take time to go into all that. But al- along the way, I was, I was impressed by all the people who were out. Um, there's people everywhere. And not like back in subdivisions, it seemed like most of the homes were right on the road. And by right on the road, I mean if, if I'm going down the road, it's right here. And miles after mile after mile, that's all you saw was just people and houses and their little markets. They had a bank. You guys remember the old telephone booths? Well, you'd see those just a little bit bigger, and on the top it'd say Banco. And that's what they had for a bank. It's like one person could walk in and I don't know what you did there. I mean, there was no computers. So I don't know how they kept track of accounts or if it was just exchanging money or I don't know what it was, but that was kind of strange. We also saw like mango trees and banana trees. You guys seen that before? Plantain trees. I mean, I've seen them on TV and stuff, but to see these big pieces of fruit hanging was really cool. And then we saw for about a five-mile stretch, we saw skinned goats hanging. So you're driving through that on both sides of the road. It was just nothing but skin goats. So I guess that's that community's, maybe that's their role. You know, the previous community had the fruit. previous community had like the clothing and the banco. Uh, so that was new for this boy as well. All right, so just seeing fresh meat hanging out next to the road. Uh, but nonetheless, we made our way to the border there and people pounding on your window. Um, they want money. They want you to get out and help them. And we were under pressure, and we had a charter bus ahead of us, and we knew if they got in before we did, we wouldn't get across the border. And from Santiago to the border, you could tell it getting more and more sketchy. Right? Now, I've also got to tell you, that is one thrill ride. All right? So lines on that island mean absolutely nothing on the road. They're just decoration. Horns are not optional. I learned that. So I bet Pastor Jeff, they blew his horn maybe 300 times on that ride. Not road rage, you know, like we would have, but it's just pretty continuing. And people get over. And so it's case in point, we're running quickly down a two-lane highway, and you can pass either on the left or the right. And the right's gravel, and the left is incoming traffic. And so if he wanted to get around somebody and somebody's coming, it didn't matter. Like, you didn't stop and wait for somebody incoming to pass. You know how we do on a two-lane highway? Let them pass and you can ease around and get in front. No, that's... What took us about maybe eight hours would have took me 16 hours driving because I would have stayed behind everybody. He just eases right out. I mean, there's a car coming where those doors are running 70 miles an hour. And they just veer off and he squeezes right through. And we look at each other and just start laughing like... Did he just do that? Like, this is insane. Motorcycles passing. Motorcycle would try to pass on the left. If a car's coming, they would go to the far left on this shoulder and pass. And I'm telling you, lines are optional. So if you have a chance to go, go for the ride. It will be a ride you'll never forget. But we made our way to the border, crossed there out of the DR into Haiti. And you could tell Pastor Jephthe was relieved. Our pace slowed down a lot as we made our way up the coast in the Cap Haitian um, on the north side of Haiti there. That's where we spent some time. Uh, so let's see what we've got next here, Lo. Oh, let's back that up. Uh, let's play that previous video here in just a minute. 
So we made our way to Cap Haitian. Now we're going to drive to Pinon. Pinon is 40 miles. How long does it take you and I to drive 40 miles? I came in from Columbia, Missouri last night driving 40 miles in probably a half hour or so. Right? We drove 40 miles in two and a half hours from Cap Haitian to Pinon. So the first 30 minutes were road. The next two hours, I don't even know what you call it. I thought I've been on some rough roads in the country. They're interstates compared to this. I mean, this road was terrible. Potholes everywhere. There are places where it's one lane, you're making your way up a mountain, and if you're going around a curve and another car's coming, then you've got to back up. And so we're backing up down the side of a mountain that's about one lane wide. Oh God, please help us. And I'm looking out my window and it's just down. And he's not looking in any mirrors or nothing. So we prayed a lot. Uh, but I took a little video, and it just doesn't quite capture it. See if you can play that here a little, just to see how rough and bumpy this road was. Now, Pastor here says this is the best part of the road. So in this video, I've got my hands on the seat in front of me, and I'm doing everything I can to hold my phone still. Now, this was about the first 20 or 30 minutes. Like he said, that was pavement. Beyond that, it's potholes that are as wide as the road. And he's got a stick shift. So you're going, eh, eh, to the next hole, eh, over the next hole, eh, and back up. Somebody's coming. And so it was, for somebody who gets car sick, it was quite the trip. Uh, but we end up making our way there, and uh, these are just some places along the way. Lil, can you hit that next lights there? Or that other, yeah, some of these are going to be dark. So this is downtown. This is before that trip, actually. This is Cap Haitian. Haiti could be a real beautiful uh, country. The landscape is awesome. There's trash everywhere. When you cross from the DR into Haiti, there is a significant difference between how clean one is and how dirty the other. I mean, it's just instantly poor. Like we crossed and you saw boys and girls playing with like t-shirts on and nothing else. No shoes, no underwear. Just playing out in their yard with their animals. Um, and their animals roam free. Goats, horses, pigs. Uh, some of these, there's piles of trash, you know, about as tall as I am. And they've got cows that are eating out of that. Just right downtown or on the main road. Goats eating out of that. Um, beautiful coastline. It's just littered with, with trash. Nothing. They, they don't have anything really to dispose of it. No way. Uh, I'm going to skip on that. So here, I don't know if you can see or not, right in the middle of that picture, right there. Anybody know what that is? So that's a power line coming in. That's one line coming in and that's about maybe, I don't know, 50 going out. And it's nothing but a bird's nest. And they say in that part of the world, the number one killer is electrocution. And I believe it. Bare wires laying everywhere. It was just, I was having culture shock, I'm sure. Like, I couldn't believe the roads were like they were. They drive like they are. I couldn't believe the trash. I couldn't believe people everywhere. I couldn't believe the power. Just insane. Again, that's downtown. So there's some of what the road looked like. Uh, it wasn't just gravel, it's large rocks, potholes, humps, people, motorcycles, animals, cliff edges, you name it. Is there another video here, Lil? Nope, okay. So that's the Citadel, that's just, um, Haitians built that to defend themselves against the French, who they thought were going to come and retake their island. And their language there is kind of a rough French. It's called Creole. It's got some slang that goes along with that. Uh, there's a good part of the road going downhill. And by the way, when we could get up to speed, our quickest speed on this road was about 20 miles an hour. So most of the time it was maybe five miles of an hour. 
very colorful people, and, and so you'll see a lot of vibrant colors painted on houses, walls, things of that nature. Somewhere here, Lil, I'm on a bump of video, and it's just moving to show you something that really uh, spoke to me about these people. Uh, this is one of their churches. Uh, so this is in St. Raphael, and it looks on the inside just like it does on the outside. There's no electricity in this church, just concrete floor, concrete walls. And uh, when we were stopping by, they were just gathering for service. Pastors wanted to meet us. Um, we were trying to get to Pinon before dark. And so we didn't get to stay for that service. But there's a, a church there. Uh, the sun's setting. So this is a river that uh, about 10 minutes from this point we were going to cross. And Pastor Jeff, they left on a Saturday to come get us. We're coming back Sunday. And so it had rained on Sunday morning. And when he started seeing the river, he would say, oh my goodness. Oh no. Oh, help us, Jesus. And Pastor, what are you, what are you praying? What's going on? And he said, well, we're, we've got to cross this river. Do you think we can cross it? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see when we get there. And so when we got there, there were girls wading across it, probably like Livy or Lucy's age, and the water was at their waist. And so we're all in this vehicle going, there's no way we're crossing this. It's just, there's no way. I mean, look how deep that is. And they've got things on their heads. And, and so he gets out, lots of local people there, and he's talking with the locals, and the five of us are in there like, we know we've got to turn around and drive the two hours back down this terrible road. And he gets in. Well, before he gets in, he locks his front wheels in place for four-wheel drive, and he gets in. He's uh, Kim, the one lady that went with us, a nurse, she says, we're going back, right? And he said, no, we're crossing. And she said, can we have a group vote on that? <laughs> and he said, no, we'll be fine. And so he shifts into first, and we plunge in the water, and it was no issue whatsoever. Right across, probably as wide as uh, this room is. And we come out on the other side, and he gets out, unlocks his hubs, and away we go. Uh, so that was, that was another answer to prayer moment. Um, but there are things there about the culture we just don't understand. You know, here they tell us in St. Louis, if there's a foot of water traveling across a road, don't go through it, right? Because it can sweep your car off. What we didn't think about was these girls are crossing this river. And if there's no current to carry them downriver, there's no current that's going to carry your car downriver. And there's 50 people on the bank who he just gave a little bit of money to who if we get stuck, they're going to come out here and they're going to push us across. And so knowing stuff like that, you're like, oh, that's, that's not a big deal. People cross that. So here's the deal. When they came to the pastor's conference, most people walked. A few of them came on motorcycles. Lots of times they're riding four people on one motorcycle. So you guys try that one day. And not like the bikes we've got. All right. I mean, they're this long. They're light enough that they carry them across their head through the river. All right? So they're walking across the river. They hold their motorcycle. They set it down. And they travel the rest of the way. Now, what does it keep us from going to church? Sometimes we've got a sniffle. And we, I can't go today. I'm going to infect everybody. And I can't do that. People be sitting all because of me. I mean, these people traveled like more than a day on foot. A lot of them left early Sunday morning to be there Monday night. And I was blown away by their hunger and their, nothing's going to stop me from getting there. You know, if we came to a river like that, I wouldn't cross it. And they hold their motorcycle up, go across. The doctor who was working at the clinic said he was a, a pretty big guy. And he said, I got on a big guy's back and he waded across that river with me on his back. Because he wasn't going to miss the opportunity to serve these pastors who hadn't been seen for, for many years. Uh, so, just humbled by, by their hunger, by their expression and worship, um, and by what they don't know. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. Here's that video. Uh, just to give you an idea, this is just going up the mountain.
So that wasn't a city. Like that was going up the mountain. And that's one of the things that really got my attention. You know, here we drive from city to city, right? And in between it's just field land. There's no such thing as just open space there unless it's on a cliff. All the way up that mountain was house or shack after shack after shack after shack. And people lined the whole way up. I was just, I couldn't believe how many people there were living right on the road. So that was interesting. And so here we are at the pastor's house. Um, this gentleman is outside. He is um, cutting grass because guests are coming. So he has a machete. That's the only grass I saw between, that's the only grass I saw anywhere in Haiti other than like weeds or stuff like that. Uh, this is Pastor Jeff Day there. That's that drawstring bag I was talking to you about earlier. And these people warm everywhere. Like they thought it was Christmas. We passed these out and they were so excited. Um, they cost us a dollar something to make. Had a notepad and a couple devotionals in their language in that bag, ink pen. Uh, and they were extremely grateful. By the way, also, most of the clothing they wear is clothing that you and I used to wear. We saw a, a Color Run t-shirt. That's from St. Louis. We saw an Alton Fire Department t-shirt from Alton, Illinois. I asked him about that. He didn't have a clue what it was or what it said. I saw a guy with an Illinois hat on. And so I was pointing at his hat. I was like, you know, he doesn't know what I'm saying. I'm like, Illinois. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> uh, and so this is just across the street. So this, this is in Pinon. You'll see concrete there. We came through two cities, and this was the third one. By cities, this, this is a, there's about a one-mile stretch of concrete, and then you're back into that, like, just don't drive it if you don't have to. I guess that's probably why most people walk or ride motorcycles. Well, they probably can't afford it, I guess. But. So walls like this all through the city. Iglesia Baptist, Jerusalem de Pignon. So that's uh, Baptist Jerusalem, Jerusalem Baptist Church in Pignon. And they have a mission that has all sorts of ministries that spread out from that. This is right across from his compound. So when we got there Sunday night, it's dark. He honks the horn. The gate opens, kind of like at your house, right? couple guards standing there and we drive in they close the gate they unpack all of our stuff put it in our room I mean they treat us like uh, royalty I mean, we've shown there they cook our breakfast they clean up after us uh, we we tried to help and they wouldn't let us they just you do we did nothing other than what we came to do so this is the wall right behind that there you'll see that's the church beautiful landscape behind that with that mountain uh, and there's the front of the church. So beautiful on the outside. Inside is just a, it's a tile floor, concrete walls, tin roof. They've got several lights in there, but most of the time they run one. So our nighttime there was pretty dark in that facility. No, they've got instruments. Nobody played them, but the acoustics were amazing. So for those of you who like music or like to sing, uh, they know parts, harmony, and it was beautiful. And they sing songs like, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. You know that one? Crown Him Lord of all. Um, you are my all in all. Um, and that was throughout our portion of the conference. Just songs. Periodically we go, oh, we know that song. We'd sing it in English. Uh, so that was, that was neat to hear. Uh, inside of the building, so that's where the stage is. That's the background. That metal building to the right there are bars. That's where the band instruments are but nobody played those while we were there it's all locked up uh, again another view there looking at the back there was kind of a teaching area up on the stage there you'll notice the tin roof it's all ventilated underneath that <clears throat> so that's from the stage looking back this room will seat maybe I don't know he said 500 I'd, I'd say more than that he would know but then there's kind of an upper deck around it, and that's the whole church building. That's where we hosted, where we were hosted for this conference. Um, tour to school, and this is what their school looks like. So you students who go to school complain, you know, we do about what we need or whatever. Um, but they have a school to attend. 
wooden benches, wooden desks, wooden chalkboard. Everything else is concrete. They have a dress code just like some of us do here. And it costs them about $200 a year to attend. And very welcoming. Right? We went in there and they were excited to, to see us there. That's a view just looking back out of the school. That's the church, that red roof. And then you'll see the mountains there in, in the back. So we were up on the mountain. I took this picture just because of the lady with the basket on her head. I've seen that on TV, but just never in real life. Saw people with five-gallon buckets stacked on their head with stuff. So multiple buckets. Right? Just walking along like it's no big deal. And I thought that was impressive. That's the vehicle we rode in. So you, you can know what it was like. That's the house in the background. So it's three stories. Pastor's house in this compound. Uh, he's got a clinic inside the compound. He has a garden inside the compound. He's got his own... Um, like water supply, generators. He has chickens and goats. Like they, they're self-sufficient for the most part. So we had fresh chicken quite a bit. We had something they said was beef. I don't think it was beef. But the only way I could chew it up was to keep telling myself it was. So <laughs> we had beef. Pastor Jeff, they built that house with his own hands and has built many places in Pinon. He is, has a construction ministry, agricultural ministry, school, clinics all over. He has um, um, orphanages, churches. Get this. Currently, they are planting 117 churches. That just blows my mind. I mean, it's taken 40 churches in the state of Illinois collectively to plant one church. I know different culture, different everything. I get that. But just the, the passion to see the gospel spread, to see it flourish, it's everywhere in these believers. And 117 church plants just got all over me. Uh, just another picture there of the properties. So if you can pick out the bananas in these pictures, I'll give you 100 bucks before you leave today. They're there. You just can't see them probably. If you were looking at this blown up on my phone, you probably still couldn't see it. I took the picture and it took me forever to find them. They're green. They blend in with the leaves. But they hang in bundles like this big. Have you seen that before? You know, we buy them like five or six at a time. They're hanging like I don't know how many at a time. It's, it was pretty cool. We saw that. So you've got the fruit industry. You've got sugar cane. You've got coffee. Those are kind of their most prevalent ways of trying to generate income or to be self-sustaining. That's Pastor Jeff they there interpreting for one of our uh, team members. There's the bags we were getting ready to pass out. There's kind of a view of the people. So this church had, I don't know how many pews, I should have counted them. That's unlike me not to do so. On the front pew, it's smaller than this one. So I averaged maybe about six people could fit on that pew, and they've got ten people there. Like they're crammed as close as they can get to the front. And that just kind of struck me. And we kind of like our space. So we can seat seven, but we only have you know, three or four. And it's just different. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That was just interesting. Something I noticed. Um, <clears throat> so here's a spider. They call them tarantulas. Here it is in relation to my foot. And it's dead. All right? If it wasn't dead, you'd have a different pastor today. Uh, one of the team members was trying to nudge it while I was taking this picture. I said, if that thing moves, it's over. <laughs> Me and Jesus are together. All right, so this is one of my translators. Sorry about the crazy eyes in my picture. <laughs> I tend to do that. This young man's name is Ismael. He's 20 years old. Uh, what we did, we had a group of 170 pastors and leaders that we divided into three groups in the mornings to do teaching sessions, 9 to noon. And uh, Ismael was, was one of my uh, translators. Ismael contacted me on Facebook. And he said, I love meeting you. Tell, tell your family who I am. And he said, I think of you not just as a brother, but like a father. I would like to have a father-son relationship. And that just like, that got all over me too. Like, he's got eight brothers and sisters. 
He doesn't know where any of them are. Um, but he's got family in that community who aren't biological, but they're just part of his family. So nice young man there. Uh, and this is Winston, same age, 20. Wants to be a missionary, has a heart for the Lord. And uh, so like I'm talking to you now, that's how I talk to him. He would stand right here and I, would, I was teaching him and then he was teaching everybody. So it was weird, like the disconnect between the people and myself was, was odd, but I learned some things about that too. Uh, so you might pray for those guys if you think about them. Ismael and Winston. This young man here, uh, the little boy there holding the, sh the hand right here, his name's Koozie. And whenever you walked out, Koozie would find one of you and he'd never ask. All of a sudden, you're holding his hand. And he'd walk with you. He sat with me through two of my sessions. I mean, he sat right there. And when I was done, he grabbed my hand and we walked out. Uh, two hours. And so that's a picture of him. He spoke zero English. So Kijano Relay is, what is your name? Kuzi. And so that's all I knew. Kuzi. And Sakpase. That means what's up. So I said that a lot. Sakpase. Probably one I shouldn't have. <laughs> Bonjour, bonsoir. All right. Good morning, good afternoon. Things like that. We learned a few phrases and no more. All right, so uh, let's see here. This lady in the hat was kind of a spiritual leader in this area. Lots of women attended this conference, probably 60. And she was leading a kind of time of singing before her afternoon session. And they started this thing. When she started in, they all got up and started dancing and clapping around. And so two of our guys, I'm videoing. This is just a picture, but... One guy there in the red. The other guy, can you see his arms? He's kind of like behind her. That's my buddy Paul. So he's out there dancing and leading all this. And he's saying the phrases over and over again. Well, afterwards, pastor comes to us and says, do you know what you were saying? He says, not at all. They were very expressive, very joyful, very serious. But they wouldn't get very close to Paul, Pastor Paul. And he said, what they're saying is, don't touch the pastor or you'll burn up. Don't touch a church member or you will burn up. Don't touch the church or you will burn up. I said, Paul, that's why they wouldn't get close to you. Like he kept getting closer and they kept just clapping and backing away. Like, See, Pastor Jeff, they told us Haiti is 95% Catholic, 100% voodoo. And he said, I don't share that when I come to the States because people think I'm dumb or that it's not real. Like it's fairy tale or made up we sat with him Sunday morning before we went to that church with our eyes open and mouths on a breakfast table listening to him recant stories of people that he's worked with who were demon possessed or who had been cursed uh, I don't know why we'd ever doubt it because it's all over the scriptures but he said here in Haiti it's very real and these people have a mixed up view of who God is like that song right so you guys are church members, and I didn't burn up, right? Now, I don't know if they literally believe that, but that's, that's a little bit of that kind of new spirituality mixed in with biblical truth. So these people are hungry for truth, and, and they're getting it, they're getting a distorted version of it. I'll share more maybe. I don't have time to share everything I'd like to share with you. There's Paul right there leading the charge. Like people are turning their backs to him like, I've got to get out of here. I'm not burning up. Uh, that's our leader there speaking the last night, sharing his heart. And he, already, he had a message prepared maybe in March, not a, not a pastor, on spiritual warfare. And the conversations we had, I mean, it was just on point. It was exactly what was needed. Uh, it was really good. This is Claude Berry. Claude Berry. And he took my phone for me most of the time whenever I was around and would type in the Creole phrases with the English translation. And then he would say it back and forth with me. And so he's where I got sock passe. Uh, this is one of our pets. 
I didn't put my foot up by that one, but it was bigger than my hand, and that one was living. And that's the door frame to one of our rooms in that house. So you saw the outside of that house. It was all tile floors, but just looked like it had been abandoned. Nothing in it. Um, which would be, I think, par for the course. On our way down, when we were returning to the airport, we stopped at one location, wanted to take a picture. And I'm telling you, this picture is like a postcard. You saw the mountains, you saw the water, you saw the steam rising. You can't see it here in, in that one. It's cut off on that picture. You can just barely see it. There's a palm tree. It was a wide view picture, so it doesn't quite fit on the screen. Ah, there's another one. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, it just looks like resort living, and just right behind me is nothing but straight poverty. So just a few more pictures here. Capation, this is Mount Jolie where we had breakfast just before flying out. You can see the mountains in the background uh, there. Same place. <clears throat> There's our team. So I'm on the far right. Yeah, as you're looking at it, and those are the other three guys, Pastor Jeff Day in the middle, and that's our nurse, Miss Kim Schott as well, who went there to try to bless people. And in return, we were the ones who were blessed. So let me, let me just share one story here, and then we'll, we'll finish here. I need, to, I need to be quiet. So the last service, they, so three things happened. One before service, there was a man who had professed to be demon-possessed. And so they came and, and prayed over him, and they prayed like God could move and deliver this man. I mean, it was powerful, like feel it in your toes kind of power. And, and then they prayed for the incoming storm, so we cut our trip short. Hurricane Maria was coming our direction, or so it seemed. And so they prayed for the storm. They prayed for Hurricane Irma, and they believed that when they prayed, God spared them because Haiti didn't get what they were supposed to get. So they were giving God praise as being the God of the storm. That's the message I preached on Sunday. I never really made the connection between the hurricanes until later that week. And then at the end of the service, just a lay, layman came up and said he wanted to thank us pastors. And so he, he thanked us and he said, I want to pray for you. And so he prayed for us. And he said, I want to pray for your churches. He said, be sure and tell them thank you for sending you and for letting you come and share what you've shared with us. The first session I taught, I taught on King David. And the whole theme of this was how he got away from all of his trouble and spent time alone with God and found strength and refreshing in the Lord. Like He's our source, and that's where we've got to run to. When I finished teaching that first session, a young man raised his hand and said, I have a question in Creole. And so they're talking. He said, you mentioned King David... Who was he? And I was just speechless. I mean, my mind just started running like crazy. Like, these are supposed to be spiritual leaders and pastors. You don't know who King David is. And so I'm trying to back this up. Like, okay, so what are some things you might know? No, I don't know about Goliath. Didn't know about Jesse. Didn't know he was a shepherd. Man after God's own heart. Didn't know he was an appointed king. Then it's like we, we got to backtrack even further. Like God didn't intend for you to have kings. He was to be your king. But these people wanted a king and said, here you go. And so they've come through this process of judges and now they're getting kings. But then it's like if you start dealing with that, you got to back up into like the Mosaic Law and you got to get back into. Um, the nation of Israel trying to move out of Egypt into the pro it's like you got to really go back to the beginning. And so within like a 15-second window, all that's going on in my head like, what do I even say to that? Who is King David? And it was in that moment where I just felt like in my spirit a confirmation, I can help these people. God will probably not expand my mind to write books on theology. 
And that's okay. It's not my role. Maybe it will be. I don't know. But in that moment, like you could just see a great need and you felt like I've been prepared to help these people. And they were supposed to go to lunch and they didn't want to go and they said to my translator, we, we want to hear more from the pastor. No, it's your turn to go to lunch. No, we want to hear more from the pastor. I thought, man, I've never heard that before. It's time to go to lunch, so the pastor needs to get quiet. <laughs> That's what we say. I don't want lunch. I need to hear more from Just a hunger for the Lord was, uh, was, was more than I could deal with. You know, I've heard David Platt. We did one of his studies here counterculture and he talked about villages that he's visited by candlelight where he taught from Genesis to Revelation all night long and he said it's like a water hose coming out of his mouth and you couldn't teach it fast enough to keep up with how hungry they were and how much they were soaking in that and that's what these people need the majority of them don't have a Bible in their language when I finished that first session I asked them will you raise your hand and half of them don't have a Bible and here I've just spent an hour talking to you about how we get along with God in His Word. And so how are you supposed to do that? Right, these are people that believe when you get a sickness, it's not an intestinal parasite, it's a curse, it's voodoo. And when people die in positions of power, nobody wants to take that position as a pastor or a leader because they feel like if I take that position, then the curse will fall to me and I'll die also. I mean, do you get how, I can't convey it, and I know, I know I'm not supposed to be able to, but there's a massive need there. Like if we could go for a month, we could help these people tremendously. And I'm not saying we go at all. I'm just saying there's a need, and you and I have been blessed to be able to help. I've never been around people like that. And so that was the two things. The third thing was after he prayed and asked a blessing on our church families. They brought out four little metal chairs and set us in the front of that stage and they circled around us and they said, we want to pray for God's protection and we want to pray God's blessing over you. Man, I just wept. And we're sitting there, just all sorts of stuff that we've been thinking through with the storm, and you're learning about these people and what they don't have. And where would I be without the Lord? And how could I ever make it without His Word? And, and there's such a need here, and you're running out on these people and their moment of need. Like, how can you do this? And yet, there's no discouragement. I mean, they are praying like... You've probably been in prayer services. I think of my Grandpa Malone praying... One starts and everybody chimes in and it's just like a roar. You've been there? And I mean it is 15-20 minutes and it's powerful and it's like they're touching God on your behalf and you're being touched. Like I was just, just trying to pray for them in return and praying for you and so thankful for the privilege of being there and thanking you for sending me and for praying for me and just God help me soak in this moment. Uh, and so one by one they started to finish and Pastor Jeff, they finished the prayer and then everybody wanted to touch you. Everybody's touching your hands, right? Nobody went back to their pew, hug your neck, touch your hands. And they started without instruments what we sung <laughs> today. <laughs> that precious Lord, take my hand. You know, it says through the storm, through the night. And that's what we were praying over this Hurricane Maria. And it's nighttime. And lead me home. I'm just sitting there like with an intense peace. Uh, so privileged, so humbled, so blessed to be able to serve. Uh, and yet at the same time, I feel like I've just had a taste. You know when you've had a taste of something good, you're like, oh, I'll take a little more of that. That's, that's what I've experienced. It's like I... Not for my sake, although probably selfishly it is, but there's a need there and we can help these people.